Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, although it is New Year's Day on the church calendar, the eighth day of Christmas is the festival of the holy name of Jesus. So this morning we celebrate that festival uh, and then our gospel reading will align with that. Also, because today is a festival day, our bulletin inserts did not match with the actual readings for the day. So you don't have, you don't have the insert for the readings today. So when we get to Psalm 8, You'll follow along in your hymnal instead of instead of the insert. So back to the good old days, just for this Sunday. Uh, before we begin our worship, a few things to remind you of. Next Sunday, the eighth, uh, we will have our congregational meeting following worship, and then following the meeting, we will also take some time to undecorate. Uh, that is the eighth. Uh, also, you'll notice at the lower narthex on the table, there's a sign-up sheet for house blessings, which I've typically done uh, for the Epiphany season. So I will do those house blessings next Sunday uh, and next Monday. If you are interested in that, uh, please get your name on the sign-up sheet so I will know. Uh, also, being New Year's, a lot of people are looking for Bible reading plans for the year uh, out on the table in the narthex you'll see the one that's put out by our synod which focuses on this year reading through the gospels and the stories of jesus so uh, if you do that reading it takes maybe 10 minutes a day or so is is what their goal is so it would be good uh, a, a good reading plan if you're interested in getting into the habit of reading your bible daily uh, if you want something more substantial in your newsletter, I will put a monthly schedule for the morning prayer Bible readings, which is a chapter from the Old Testament and a chapter from the New Testament. Uh, and that would also get you through the Bible in a year. Uh, are there any other announcements, any other prayer requests for the congregation this morning? All right, if not, I'll invite you then to take a moment to quiet your heart and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship.
and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you by word or deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may lie in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Eternal Father, you gave your incarnate Son the holy name of Jesus to be a sign of our salvation. Plant in every heart the love of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites, 
you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they put so they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. The word of the Lord. We'll read responsibly Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you have set in their courses. Yet you have made them little less than divine. With glory and honor, you crown them. All flocks and cattle, even the wild beasts of the field. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. A reading from Galatians. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today's festival and today's gospel reading bring us into two events in the life of Jesus. His circumcision and his naming by Mary and Joseph per the instructions given to them by the angel Gabriel. 
Well, in the middle of the 20th century, it was decided to frame this celebration really more on Jesus' name than on his circumcision. And that was for the obvious reason that no one really wants to talk about circumcision in church. We don't want to ignore the Bible, however. And so instead, what this reading and what the festival calls us to is that we should hear the good news, that is the gospel, that Christ was both circumcised and named. Because both of these things he accomplished for our sake. Indeed, we don't talk about circumcision much in church, but you really can't read throughout the Bible without being confronted by its importance. Circumcision was a physical sign, a very real sign, a physical means that God reminded his people of his love for them. In Genesis 17, God institutes circumcision when he comes to Abraham and says, This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you shall be circumcised when he is eight days old. In other words, this was to be a permanent sign of a relationship. It's not something you can undo. Furthermore, it's not a bloodless sign either. It was a sign that was accompanied by pain, by blood, and by loss. And so in this way, it was a sign that spoke to the seriousness of the problem of sin. Sin, which causes separation from God, is painful. And so circumcision became a reminder that even from our conception, even from our birth, we are sinners. We inherit the sinful depravity of our father, Adam. And so when Adam sinned, all of humanity was cursed. And so the sign of circumcision was meant to be a painful sign. And that pain of that sign was carried by men, but the sign was meant to be for all of God's people. It was a painful sign, but it was also a sign meant to relay the hope of good news. The one who was circumcised was forever marked by God. It was an identity. And so when we get to the Gospels, we see that Christ did not actually need to be circumcised. If we follow the logic of the Old Testament, circumcision for Christ was not a moral necessity because Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Christ is a new Adam. He doesn't inherit Adam's sin. Christ himself is not guilty. Christ was not conceived in sin. He had no need for the painful sign of circumcision because he was never separated from God. Jesus needed no reminder of his relationship with God. Christ was circumcised then, not for his own good or for his own sake, but for us. And this is how we should think about all Christ does. All that Christ does is for us. Christ did not need to become a baby born in Bethlehem. He did not need to be given the name of Jesus by Mary and Joseph. He did not need to be circumcised or taken to the temple. He did not need to teach, to heal, to forgive. He did not need to die on a cross. None of those things were necessary for his own sake or his own benefit. He did all of those things because he loves us. He undergoes everything and suffers everything for us. 
And so the circumcision of Jesus is the first time we see Jesus spilling his blood for us. In other words, he submitted himself to the law and its consequences for us. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Luther puts it like this. For when death fell upon Jesus and slew him, and yet had no right or cause against him, and he willingly and innocently submitted and suffered himself to be slain, death became liable to him. It did him wrong and sinned against him. Therefore, death is subject to Christ and his power forever. So also, circumcision did Christ wrong, for he was not subject to it. Therefore, it is justly subject to him, and he has power over it. He has conquered it. He has granted to us that it has lost its right over those who believe in Christ. He has released us from the circumcision by submitting to it innocently. Luther's point is that Christ underwent all the consequences of the law perfectly on our behalf. Right? What we deserved, the pain of sin, the pain of the consequences of our rebellion against God, what we deserved, Christ submitted to. And in doing so, he made it possible for us to be saved. And so God no longer requires circumcision to be the sign of his relationship with us because Christ underwent circumcision for us. That is to say, Christ suffered the painful consequences of the law for us. Christ took on the law's judgment for us. What we deserve, Christ underwent. He took our place. And by taking our place, he saves us. When God sees the Christian, God doesn't see us as sinners condemned by our own sin, sinners condemned by the law. Instead, God sees what Christ has done for us. God sees us as his children because of Christ's perfect sacrifice for us. And so as believers, God gives us a new sign, which is baptism. He gives us a bloodless, painless sign, and he unites us to Christ and gives us all the benefits of Christ's perfection. In Colossians, St. Paul puts it like this, In Christ also you were circumcised with the spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him. When he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the records that stood against us with its legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. Like St. Paul says, when you were buried with Christ in your baptism, you were raised with him in faith. Your sin demanded punishment. It demanded death. It demanded separation from God. But Christ took this on for you. And because he has taken it on for you, the records of those consequences that stood against you are erased. You are given new life. You're spiritually made new. And someday physically, you will, fit, you will be physically made new as well because of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus saves you. He came in the flesh for you. And so we call this eighth day of Christmas typically the holy name of Jesus or the festival of the holy name because when one was circumcised, they were officially named. And so within Jesus' name, 
is a sign and a promise of our salvation. Jesus' name means the Lord saves. Jesus is the Hebrew name Joshua. And so as Joshua led God's people into the promised land after Moses, so Jesus saves us by leading us into the promised land after the consequences of the law. Christ is our salvation. And so when we call upon his name, we're reminded of that. His name means the Lord saves. So every time we call on his name, we're reminded that he saves us. And Jesus was given this name for your sake. As I said earlier, all of the events of Jesus' life are things he submits to out of love for you. Jesus allows himself to be called Jesus. Jesus is rightly called God. He's rightly called the Lord. But now he has also called himself Jesus, which is the Lord saves. And this is for us, a gift for us. So that every time we pray to him, every time we call on him, we are in essence preaching the gospel to ourselves. Because when you pray to Jesus, you are saying, the Lord saves. When you sing his name or praise his name, you are saying, the Lord saves. Just faithfully speaking his name to yourself is like a sermon for your own heart. It's a reminding of who, you, of who he is for you. He is the one who has come to save you. Our hymn of the day is not exactly a seasonal one, not a Christmas one. It's How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, which was written by John Newton. You might know that name. John Newton's the preacher who was the former slave trader who himself knew the salvation of Jesus Christ and who famously wrote it in that hymn, Amazing Grace. But in this hymn, Newton writes, How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fear. And that's not just romantic, sentimental notions. It is not like the way your boyfriend or girlfriend's name might give you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Instead, Jesus' name is sweet to us because his name itself is the gospel preached to us. His name reminds us that he has come to save us. He has taken on the law's curse for us. He has taken on the consequences of your sins. He has made salvation possible for you. And because of what he has done for you, God has forgiven you. Indeed, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in our ear. Amen.
of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified and pronounced Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, and in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray with the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Blessed God, you sent your Son into our flesh, and as an infant he first shed the blood that would cleanse us from our sin. Accept our thanks for the loving kindness shown to us sinners, and grant us a steadfast faith that we would not forget all of your benefits or lose sight of your promises. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, you declare that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for we are all one in him. Preserve us from all ungodly prejudice, and grant that we would not resent what you have called us to be and to do, but to rejoice to serve you as you have ordained. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Lord, you have shown your power by establishing governments and leaders to serve your people in your name. Grant to our President Joseph, our Governor Richard Michael, our Congress, our judges, and our magistrates the wisdom and courage to act with integrity on behalf of all your people, especially those least able to defend themselves. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, bless and keep us by your grace and remember those in need who cry out to you, especially Sandy and Charlie. Ron, Judy, Carol, Jim, Amanda, Brad, Leroy, Marilyn, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Lisa, and Joyce. According to your will and wisdom, lift up your face upon them and give them peace. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, you invite your children to the table of your Son. Give us your Holy Spirit that we would discern Christ's body and blood in the sacrament today and come with joyful and repentant hearts to receive the foretaste of this eternal feast. Strengthen us by blessed communion that we would love you above all and love one another in your name. Lord, in your mercy. 
Gracious Father, in your steadfast love, you have put off the day of Jesus' return until the perfect time when the number of your elect is complete. Keep your people watchful, vigilant, and awake with your gift of faith until that day. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. In the wonder and mystery of the Word made flesh, you have opened the eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to the love, the God whom we cannot see. 
And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy One, the beginning and the end, the giver of life. Blessed are you for the birth of creation. Blessed are you in the darkness and in the light. Blessed are you for your promise to your people. Blessed are you in the prophets' hopes and dreams. Blessed are you for Mary's openness to your will. Blessed are you for your Son, Jesus, the Word made flesh. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your word dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. We remember our new birth and his death and resurrection. We look with hope for his coming. Holy God, we long for your spirit. Come among us, bless this meal. May your word take flesh in us, awaken your people, fill us with your light, and bring the gift of peace on earth. All praise and glory are yours, Holy One of Israel, Word of God incarnate, power of the Most High, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Serve the Lord.